2022 and feeling goo. Duh. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know, 2022, I am definitely feeling goo because of, you know, the current state of the world, but it is good to be back on Elwood City Limits, <laughs> our first episode of the year. I'm, I'm feeling like goo, Will, because I'm so, uh, uh, you know, flush and a flutter, you know, my heart has melted um, from all the love this Christmas season I received from... The Elwood City Limits listeners and uh, and and being able to talk to them and you again, Will. That's why I'm goo. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, Lucas, it's um, whether you, whether you're feeling goo or maybe you're feeling putty. Perhaps you're feeling uh, Nickelodeon smud. How whatever yeah. whatever form of adhesive stretchy you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Welcome into the Episodic Arthur Podcast. Will Young here with Lucas Mancini, and uh, of course. We've got some more Arthur to talk about. Um, it was uh, we had our little holiday holiday schedule here, and we've already got some new things happening in the new year in terms of things to come, things that have already started happening. It's hard to even know where to begin, but um, I wanted to put this out there for everybody. This is, might be a little bit old news for all you Arthur old heads and you diehards and everybody, but. It was announced in December that coming up February 16th to February 21st, in honor of the fact that the final Arthur season will be premiering this year, PBS will be running a complete and total Arthur marathon. Again, February 16th to February 21st. So if you still have cable or if you have access to PBS on TV, um, you're definitely going to want to fill up your DVR with the best uh, Arthur episodes because it seems like they're going to be playing Every single one of them. It's it's and you know this is great for the listeners because we have a episode for like every one of those episodes up to right now. So um, a good good opportunity to go into the backlog, I suppose, and hear our outdated takes. And speaking of the backlog, that's actually a pretty good segue into one of the new things that's happening with Elwood City Limits this year. Um, we now have a YouTube channel. So this was a this was a recommendation from a patron, and I had to think about it for a little bit because you know. It's sometimes I'm I'm I, I must admit part of it is being very resistant uh, to work. I'm usually very very lazy, but I had a good think about it, and I decided that it wouldn't be the worst idea to start putting up the Elwood City Limits backlog onto YouTube, where people, not necessarily myself, well. I say that, but I have listened. I have listened to the occasional podcast on YouTube. You know, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google, and now slowly but surely, I'm going to upload one classic podcast episode a day we started with the first one and that was uh we're recording this on wednesday so we started on tuesday and i uploaded episode number one which goes all the way back to august the 19th 2016 and uh we'll be uploading those daily so you that's a great way to catch up on the backlog before and during the arthur marathon on pbs in february you know for all you youtube YouTubers? What is a YouTube fan? I don't know. Get your algorithm locked in. Hit that bell icon. Like, comment, and subscribe on our YouTube channel, I guess. Yeah, now we can officially say hit that hit that bell. Yeah. And mash uh, that bell. Obliterate that bell. We've got you know, that you never know. There could be I we don't really have concrete plans for video content in the future, but 
that could be a good place to put it if we ever uh, find something to do. If you're a patron over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, there has been a couple of video exclusive content over there, which, what is it? Well, you'll have to go and see. Uh, speaking of our patrons, thank you very much for supporting us. I'll, I'll just say one more blanket statement. Thank you for supporting us in the year 2021. And we were happy to give you uh, one last little bit as uh, myself and my friend Mike. This is a different Mike than the Mike that's yeah. on our podcast. This is a different Mike. Yeah. His name is Mike. He lives in he lives in Nova Scotia. He is my friend. I know him. The other yeah. Mike... The other Mike He's no friend of mine, so that's not the <laughs> mic we're talking about. Yeah, the other mic is purely theoretical. You know, he's he's yet to be measured by science, but he does exist, and he messes with our podcast episode releases. So yeah, me and my buddy Mike, we did a pilot episode for a show that we called "Worst Soundtrack Ever." We talked about the movie and the uh, original soundtrack for the movie "Small Soldiers." It's fun. I I, I had fun listening back and editing it. And I think that you'll uh, get a good laugh out of it, you patrons, if you haven't checked it out yet. And we've got more stuff coming up on the Patreon. You know what? Oh, I'm going to have to. Mm, I'm going to have to take a look at that, that uh, for the kids list because I haven't picked what my next pick is going to be. So you're going to hear the process happening live here as we go about this episode. But we've also got a couple of emails burning a hole. In the old Gmail, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com is where you can send us feedback to be read on the air or read off the air. These definitely begged to be read on the air. We've got a quick one to start off with here from Abby Love. And the email goes as such. Hi, my name is Abby Love. I really like baby Kate. She's my favorite character in Arthur. That's interesting. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone claim Kate to be their favorite character. But certainly as the show goes on. She gets a little bit more of it going going on, so glad to hear it. Thank you for An your inspired email. choice. It's like saying uh, Maggie is your favorite Simpsons character. Yeah, I guess it would be. Thank you for your email, Abby. Our next one comes from Omid, who says hi to Will, Lucas, and Mark. Okay, now first we got Mike. Now we got oh, Mark. Okay, there's a whole posse. Oh, so, uh, that's it. So Mark, there's Mark, and he he spawned from Mike like a gremlin. Yeah, Mark. Mark is like French Canadian Mike. It's Mark with a C. M A R C Q U E. Yeah. Oh, he's like the Mark of anyway. <laughs> uh, so Omid, uh, he emails in to say, "I have a couple questions. First of all, what character would you be in Arthur? You can combine characters as well in Omid's rules. For example, Omid would have the strength of, or excuse me." Uh, Omid's example is the strength of Binky and the smartness of the brain. For me, it would be Arthur, except for the smartness of the brain and a very small bit of Francine's bossiness. So I think for me, <laughs> I guess it's a theoretical question. The first thing I thought of was that, like, I guess I'd be Arthur because I'm anxious. And I'm like, I don't have to be Arthur. <laughs> yeah. I don't have this is, to this be is your choice, Will. Uh, uh, I guess I would have Buster's boundless enthusiasm and... And and hunger, um, um, I would have Binky's appreciation for art. Yes, and I would have Muffy's money. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good one. These these also double as like New Year's resolutions. Uh, <laughs> I would uh, I would have Molly's take no prisoners attitude. Mm. Um, I would have uh, Binky's dancing acumen. Okay. Uh, and I would have Grandma Thora's wisdom. 
Oh, very good. I thought you were going to say uh, Molly's wardrobe. No, no, I would have, if I had to uh, steal the wardrobe of anyone, I mean, everybody on Arthur's kind of dressing. Uh, I would probably take, uh, if even if sticking with the tough customers, I would go with Rattles. Yeah, Rattles is a pretty classic tough guy look. Yeah. Um, so that's... <laughs> Rattles looks like that one guy from Corner Gas. Oh, um, Hank? Is his name Hank? I don't know. I don't know. I would, for some reason, I, you strike me as like a gas head. Uh, I, 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 I don't, not. I really don't know much about it. No, you're not a fan. No, I can't say um, that. Like the, uh, be, the beloved central Canadian comedy corner gas starring, what is his name? Brent, Butt. Brent, Butt. he, 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 he. Um, no, I have, <laughs> oh, no. I've never been a great fan of corner gas. It was usually just on in the background at like seven o'clock on CTV or whatever it would play. So, uh, no, not me, but no, I mean, if you are a gas head, <laughs> Um, no shade, but just, yeah, it's never been for me. Um, Omi continues. Also, who was your first favorite teacher in elementary school? For me, it would be my third grade teacher who also taught us in quarantine. She was very nice and good at teaching. I just remind everybody, we've gotten emails from Omid before. He's uh, one of our younger listeners. So, uh, my first favorite teacher was, I mean, I liked teachers from an early age, which is probably a bad sign. Um, ah. uh, my, I love my primary teacher, Mrs. Smith. Uh, she was, she was very nice, authoritative when she needed to be, but she was somebody who was really into the role of being an elementary teacher. And I remember meeting her decades, decades later, uh, in a bit of an interesting twist of fate and, and, it, and she remembered me. So that's the mark of a great teacher. Mrs. Smith, uh, I hope she is still great. I, I don't know whatever happened to her. Uh, I, mine would be also my grade primary teacher and grade one teacher. She taught both years, Mrs. Valentine, um, who taught me uh, a little dab will do ya uh, in regards to using Elmer's glue. Uh, you don't have to dump it on Will. You can simply mm. have a little droplet. Um, and, you know, you could apply that analogy to many aspects of life. And so that that wisdom stays with me to this day. That's not and and Lucas, you're not young enough where that would have been dancing instructions. No, it, it wouldn't. No, not dancing uh, instructions. Uh, not talking about THC concentrate. Uh, uh, neither type of dab was being invoked at that time. Gotcha. Okay. Final question: Have you ever felt bored in one of your classes because you knew everything? For me, it would be second grade and third grade. Luckily, in fourth grade, I'm getting challenged, but not in math class, which was the class I was hoping to get challenged at. Uh, thank you for making a bad day into an awesome day. Um, Omid, let's see. Um, there, were, there were periods of time where I felt that way in English class. Uh, I think just because, especially in elementary, when you're dealing with a lot of kids who have uh, different reading levels, sometimes it was harder for me to go along with the reading level uh, that other kids were at. Uh, and I, I say, I like, I say that like, oh, my reading level was so advanced. No, there were actually kids who read even better than me. And then once I, once I got to like either junior high or high school, I kind of really hit the wall of being like the smart, the smartest English boy in the room. So, uh, trust me, Omid, after a while, something in school is going to challenge you. And, and I think especially whatever you're good at, you're going to find ways for it to challenge you. So for right now, uh, just keep up with it if you can. 
Uh, my one would be my current events and media studies class in community college when oh. I was in PR school. Uh, I was like, yeah, I read the news every day. I already know all this. Uh, <laughs> no, that's true. Um, but they, but they, and again, they have to account for everybody, especially community college where you're sort of beginning again. And really, it could be anybody from an 18-year-old to a 35-year-old. So, mm. yeah, they have to account for everybody and not just uh, the smarty pantses like the Lucas Mancini's. Yeah, I think it was like more. It was like a media literacy course. It was like right. basically trying to train people who never have paid attention to the news before to pay attention to the news. Yeah. Uh, and listen, I'm not trying to get a gold star or anything. I just simply, you know, already was paying attention to the news, so <laughs> wasn't much to learn there. But understand why it was. Understand why it was a course. Our final one comes from Christine Wong, one of our lovely patrons. Happy holidays, Will, Lucas, and Mike. I'm writing again because of questions I have about your schooling experiences and how they're similar oh. or different to Arthur. A lot of school questions this time. I know. Around. We're starting second semester today. Since the last episode was about school lunches, I'm wondering if your elementary school had a cafeteria. Mine did not. We ate all of our lunches at our desks. In fact... I'm not even sure we had an operational kitchen at my school. We did have a hot lunch program that cost money, but that was catered by local businesses near my school. Every week, the local Japanese restaurant delivered yakisoba and California rolls, or the Greek restaurant would deliver chicken souvlaki and rice pilaf. Nice. Oh, my God. As someone of Chinese awesome. descent, that was actually my first experience with food from cultures outside my own. Uh, also, if memory serves me right, there was also one day near the end of the year during our sports day where we could order McDonald's, but I think that was phased out during my later years. Um, okay, so for me, no, we did not have a cafeteria at my elementary slash junior high school. So we're talking grades primary, kindergarten, to grade uh, nine here in our part of Canada. Um, we did not have a cafeteria. I didn't have a cafeteria until I was in high school. So, yeah, we had to pack our own lunches. There was a what was called a lunch program, but it was basically like lunchtime supervision, not actually providing you lunches. We did have a thing uh, throughout the year where at certain times of the year you could pay – um, I think it was $5 a week, and you would get a a, a little personal pan pizza from Little Caesars on, yeah, okay. on Fridays. So uh, we will, you know, we might be different in age, but the uh, public school system remained the same, <laughs> it seems, between our years. Because I was just going to say, no cafeteria in my elementary school either, except you could pay into the pizza program, which was you get a personal pan pizza from Little Caesars, yes. hot and ready, uh, as well as there was a milk program you could pay okay. into and get like a little carton of milk as well uh didn't have the milk thing as far as i remember okay that was a new development in the late 90s it seems um but but yeah that was the kind of the extent of what that looked like for us the greek food and china and uh and japanese food sounds awesome is there anything about arthur's elementary school experience that stands out as atypical for you based on how your elementary school was like for me, it's lockers. We had a cloakroom in each classroom and school buses. Those only showed up during field trips. Um, Christine also makes a note here. Fun fact, my boss graduated from Coal Harbor High School and is back in town visiting family, so maybe you'll run into him. And this is signed your favorite coastal coastal elitist, I hope. Uh, Coal Harbor is uh, actually right acro uh, across the bridge into Dartmouth territory, so not too far from where we are, but I don't know if uh, – neither of us went to Coal Harbor High School, so, uh, well, you never you never know. You never know. Um, 
so okay comparing Arthur's elementary school experience, I agree with you, Christine. I did not have school buses either. I walked to school because I was close. I walked to school uh, throughout my entire educational career up until, well, actually including university. And I didn't have lockers until junior high. It's It was weird for me that the Arthur kids had lockers in elementary. I was wondering when we would get ours and it turned out to be in grade seven was when we started that. Yeah, true. We had like cubbies. Yes, uh, cubbies were cubbies were especially like an elementary, a early elementary school thing. That's um, where you keep your winter jacket out here in uh, up north, <laughs> and and your lunchbox as well. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of every like I'm just going through every single thing in Arthur that was a little strange. Um, that's you pretty much covered it, Christine. If I think of anything else, I'll let you know. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how our schooling went when we were uh, the ripe old age of eight and above or below, such as Arthur is. Thank you for your emails, everybody. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com if you'd like to correspond with us. And we want to wish an additional thank you to the lovely people who have stuck on into 2022 as our wonderful patrons. People like Howl Pendragon and Infra90. We have Alex K and Jolo Flo, Jess Coulter and Gabby S. Casey Cosmos, who has been a great follow on Twitter, I must I must add. Uh, JHC, Greenhouse Vinyls. We have Alistair and Lawrence, Daniel Uptograph. And we also have people like Greg Hagai, Michaela Gibson, Aaron DeFilippo, Macy Ball, and Froppy. Thanks, everybody. Really appreciate your support. So, this is a little bit of an interesting bend in our Arthur journey here. Because the first story we're talking about today is one that we've covered before, in a sense. So, the first half of this episode, in as we continue through Season 13, when Carl met George, or as it's known in other areas, George and the Missing Puzzle Piece, the first Arthur episode to air in the 2010s. So, in case you didn't know, this was covered on our series called ECL Flash Forward. The episode is from July 3rd, 2020. It's still on the free feed if you want to check it out. Me and DJ Bob, friend of the show, talked about the episode from a more general point of view. We wanted to talk about the themes that the episode was talking about and how well we felt it represented the new character introduced and the type of character that Carl is. I'm very... The thing I'm most proud about with that episode is that we... I sent out a call for people who have experiences with autism to write in, and we got a couple of really good responses, and we were able to represent them there, and I think that's the most important thing. I would, of course, encourage you to go back and listen again. That's ECL Flash Forward from July 3rd, 2020. I would encourage you to listen to that episode because it contains a lot of my thoughts on it, but it's also to hear from people who listen to the show, watch Arthur, and either have autistic family members or are on the autism spectrum themselves. So this episode is going to be a bit more focused on you, Lucas. It's going to be more about your, like, obviously I'll have a thing or two to say, but what I wanted to do is lead you through the episode and then pull over occasionally and talk about how you feel about the character of Carl and how you feel he's represented. 
Perfect. Uh, and yeah, I, I have to go back and listen. I, 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 it's been a hectic return to work this week, uh, but I am interested to hear your original thoughts uh, as well as the guests' original thoughts on this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh because and you know most of all the listeners and I you know maybe if there's been new developments since then I welcome all listeners to write in especially if uh, their response to my feelings uh, but yeah I'm ready to dive right into this I agree um, there's just a couple of things I want to put up here in terms of uh, still a little bit of cursory research I did so the mm. ep- this episode particularly discusses what it refers to as Asperger syndrome okay Asper- this was the first thing I'm glad you're bringing this up because <laughs> um, in terms of my learning from this episode this was the number one thing where I was like now wait a minute here I have to do some research right so Asperger syndrome is a was a diagnosis of that was related to autism. It was introduced as a diagnosis in 1994. Now it was removed as an official diagnosis in 2013. The symptoms are now included within what we refer to as autism spectrum disorder and medical diagnoses have moved away from using the term. However, there are some people that still choose to identify with the label, either people who grew up identifying as having Asperger syndrome or people who are young today and still identify with that label. So mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. at least as far as I could tell. And again, this is from a, um, an allistic perspective that Asperger syndrome is an, is outdated medically, but could still be used in a more casual way to reference somebody's specific diagnosis i would say go with what someone tells you their diagnosis yes. is this is this is a classic case of uh i would have to ask somebody yes. what they're comfortable with me saying because when i looked at the when i first watched this episode i immediately they're throwing around the term asperger's and i was like isn't that an outdated term i i was to understand i thought i heard that we were not supposed to say that anymore and then i looked it up on wikipedia um and the answer was not as clear as I had expected, right? So, you know, in 2013, the diagnosis was removed and it was now included within the autism spectrum, but it still remains within the international classification of diseases, which again, that even seems kind of like weird terminology here. Um, and as with a lot of these um, classifications within the autism spectrum, um, you know, it is, there's no kind of, uh, uh, exact science to any of this, it seems. It seems like a lot of this stuff is still kind of ongoing and being researched and that there's still discussions happening to this day uh, within both the scientific community uh, and the autism community on um, many elements of this. You know, uh, for instance, I was reading on the same article, uh, moving away from classifying it as a disorder and and trying mm-hmm. to kind of move it towards being uh, just a, a, a difference, uh, for lack of a better term. And then there's other people who disagree with that line of thinking. And so there was, uh, this was one of those classic examples where I was like, okay, there's, there's quite a bit about this that I did not know that I had been assuming prior to looking it up. Um, so... Um, it's not like any of this is kind of clarified in this Arthur episode, as this Arthur episode is, like we said, kind of a, a little bit outdated in that respect. But uh, it's certainly what drove me to get interested, well, drove me to try and figure out these answers. So already I'm learning from this children's show, uh, even though it's it's me learning from kind of my extracurricular research. The last thing I wanted to add in terms of pure research is that 
as it is, the symptoms of Asperger syndrome exist on what is level one of three levels of autism spectrum disorder. So level one, level two, level three, level one, um, I would say the least intensive level three being the most of these levels with level one indicates that a person diagnosed with it may require support, which leads into the episode as Carl is a kid who does need support. But I think it's best that we talk about the episode now. I just wanted to make sure that we got those couple of notes out of the way. So the episode starts in earnest with George hanging around with his friend Carl, his new friend, and he's eventually telling us about the puzzle piece, the jigsaw puzzle piece that began their friendship. And George has this conversation with Carl, and he says that Carl is usually very honest and a tal- and he's also a talented artist because George is drawing a picture of a lion and he asks Carl what he thinks of it. And Carl says, I don't says that he doesn't like the color brown. Which prompts George to say to the camera that Carl is is usually very honest about how he feels, and he's a really talented artist, and he has a very specific interest in trains. So we don't get a sense yet of how Carl is, but how did you feel about starting off the episode this way? Well, it's interesting that the trains thing is such a central component because mm. I had like I I, I had assumed. Um, that people on the autism spectrum being interested in trains was like a stereotype. Like right. that's where I had first heard that from. So I, I, uh, I mean, see, I gotta be so I, I, I keep in mind, folks, that this is me coming from a place of of curiosity and and willing to learn. So I apologize if I uh, speak out of turn at any point during this because it's really I'm speaking from ignorance here. But uh, I, I had only heard that in the context of like a stereotype so i didn't realize that you know this was derived from something real or maybe even the this portrayal in this arthur episode people have problems with i'm not sure or if this is just kind of an earnestly like he likes trains or it's a coincidence uh i'm not sure but the trains thing kind of uh threw me for a loop there because um i'd only ever yeah i'd only ever heard that in the same way that like i'm trying to think of of what would be a simpler example for something else like um you know i'm culturally italian right there's all kinds of things you can assume yeah uh, uh, about someone being culturally italian doesn't mean that it's necessarily polite so you, uh, yeah you you thought that perhaps that there was an element of this that of trains and someone on the autism spectrum being like yeah a, a, a negative stereotype Exactly. That okay. Yes. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to uh, articulate. Okay. And so, um, I, I, seeing it in this episode, uh, maybe kind of it, it. It was a lot of food for thought because I was like, okay, is this you know coming from like a lived experience? Um, and I will say that um, my thoughts on this episode got a lot more clarified once we hit the word from us kids segment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of this kind of a lot of my anxieties about this episode kind of got uh, ironed out in retrospect after watching the words from us kids segment. But initially I was like, I wonder if, you know, this like this this particular character and his mannerisms comes from research and lived experience or does it come from assumptions um and you know it's the arthur writers right so i would hope that they're i i i hope um and i feel like i've trusted them with kind of difficult topics in the past 
uh, that they're coming to this, um, you know, with good intentions, in good faith, and it's, you know, based on, on the experiences of real people or, or actual kind of good faith stuff and not based on, like, assumptions and stereotype. Uh, but it's all of this is something that I wouldn't have had to have considered uh, until seeing this episode. The other thing is we get introduced to – oh, sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll let you uh, – No, all, I wanted, all I wanted to say is that there was very little that I could find in terms of, like, behind-the-scenes information mm. uh, about how this episode was put together. And which is unfortunate because there is a there is a comparatively a lot of information about how something like the great the intentions behind the great McGrady, which we covered yeah. in the previous ECL episode. Unfortunately, there isn't that much I could find in terms of uh, writing about this. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not you know, I don't want to m- people to think I'm being accusatory or anything. I'm, I'm literally just actually curious because, you know, I don't want to be making a mountain out of a molehill here. It could be that. Even thinking that this is some sort of stereotype or thing is is actually coming from my wrongheadedness. I mean, who doesn't like trains? Uh, I'm to understand that trains are all the rage these days on TikTok. I don't know if you've seen that British guy who like yes, yeah, uh, I love that guy. Uh, is all excited. Yeah, everybody loves that guy. I love that guy too. Uh, and you know, it's hard not to feel enthusiastic about trains watching those videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe maybe it is I who is wrong, and and I'm even to to assume that there's something wrong with this. Uh, shows my ignorance more than anything else. Um, but anyway, this line of thinking was all spawned from this Arthur episode. Uh, oh yeah, so to move on, uh, we get introduced to this puzzle piece, which is kind of one of the central kind of MacGuffins um, in this episode and kind of the the impetus for George um, and Carl becoming friends. And that was another thing I thought was interesting was that the puzzle piece is kind of, it's a symbol used in the autism community. Um, That's like right. You, I forgot about you, that. Yeah, and whenever you look at like autism organizations, and and again, this is I'm, I'm speaking from total ignorance here because the people I know um, with autism, like uh, who I have on Facebook and stuff, they're they're always talking about autism rights and advocacy and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and I'm to understand that there's a lot of uh, as with anything, you know politics anything uh, there's a lot of discussion and disagreement within the autism community about those various organizations you know some uh, may not be what they seem but they all kind of use the same imagery in terms of the puzzle mm-hmm. piece and stuff like that i think that um, I, 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 I there's a certain color that i believe is associated with it i don't want to I want. Yeah. It might be blue. I'm not. I. I, I can't say. I remember. I'm not. I, yeah. I don't know. But I, I have seen the puzzle piece uh, before, and so I wonder um, if that's also intentional. If if you know this puzzle piece uh, mm-hmm. is is uh, trying to be. I mean, it, it seems like almost too much of a coincidence to not be right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're right. That's a good point, and I didn't even think about that. Um, I just want to reiterate while we've been talking talking about it. I want to just. Make it so that, make it clear first of all, and Lucas, you can let me know if I'm off on this. Neither neither Lucas nor I are have been diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. That's true. Um, I believe you know, like you, Lucas, I have friends and potentially even relatives who have so, who are on the autism spectrum to some degree. Yeah. Um. And and who's and who's to and who's to say it's like the. That's those who have chosen to share their diagnosis with us. And And even if someone's, you know, you don't have to have an official diagnosis either. It's like, for for me, I just, I I take people um, 
take people for their word or whatever, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if uh, I know somebody and this is, you know, they're like, I have autism. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like I'm not looking for their, for their uh, doctor's note or whatever. No, right? certainly not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just want to make it clear to our audience that you can can be a part of this discussion as well if you want to be. And I, as mm. we as I did when we covered this a couple of years ago, if you have any responses to what we have talked about, when whether you need to say like, hey, you guys got this wrong, I encourage yeah. you like please reach out on social yes. media or via email. We would really love to continue talking about this episode <laughs> and to learn from it. So we apologize yeah. for anything that we say that isn't mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. because, as Lucas said, it is mostly out of ignorance. It is it is. Uh, experiences that we don't have me me and will are experts on arthur not the autism spectrum so (laughs) you know if you have any criticisms in terms of our arthur knowledge i don't want to hear it i'm the one who's watched all these episodes you know Mm -hmm. i'm i'm the expert there but in terms of literally anything else uh i am open and willing to be corrected by all means and you know yeah i'm I'm trying to come to this with a, a place of good faith i'm just trying to ask questions i'm not trying to uh, I I I don't know is what I'm trying to say yeah. with all this stuff. So let's so move, yeah, let's George move, and his new friend Carl. Let's yes. move through the episode. Um, so we see the beginning of their friendship is George meeting Carl at the community center where George is in a class that is being run by his dad. It's a woodworking class, so George needs to get a bottle of glue from a different classroom. Um, George's remem- memory of this situation is that. He didn't really get a fix on whether Carl liked him or not. So when he meets him, Carl is working on a jigsaw puzzle of a train, a very specific train that Carl is very knowledgeable about. And as soon as George shows an interest in the train, Carl describes it in uh, very in a very like detailed clinical, manner. Clinical detail. Clinical yeah. detail. Uh, Carl even himself says that he comes to the community center twice a week with his mom. And he prefers his apple juice in a box and not not in a bottle. And he says that, uh, like you said, Lucas, very very clinically. But uh, he's just kind of quietly doing his puzzle. And before George leaves for that day, he wonders if maybe he and Carl can hang out. And Carl's confused by this. He's like, "Hang out of where?" And then George is like, "What do you? Oh, wait a second. You're pulling my leg." And Carl says, "No, I'm not. I'm doing a jigsaw puzzle." So he doesn't seem to understand George's figures of speech, which to, which to certain people would be something you pick up very early and makes and makes sense on its face, but not so much to Carl. Yeah, and and th- this is where we kind of it's explained in 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 plain language, basically uh, what's going on with Carl and and why he is the way he is. Yeah, so. When George gets home, we have the the only things that aren't about Carl and George's relationship in this episode is George kind of messing around with Wally, and it's just like I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't really care. Like I don't really care. There, there was one bit I liked in this, in that like the George's relationship with Wally is really weird because like George and Wally are the same person, but. Um, like George will like do things to like torture Wally. It seems like, for instance, Wally is like not your dirty pants, and he's like picking up his uh, like soiled garments with Wally. Mm. Uh, and you know, if we are to uh, take Wally as a character, you know, Wally is being forced to like eat door, literally eat George's shorts. Uh, so that I kind of found funny. 
but yeah, Wally's basically uses a device to be kind of George's internal monologue. So as George kind of wrestles with the conflict of this episode, um, it's always through him talking to Wally. But you're right. The next development that we have is when George realizes that he accidentally, when he bumped into the table when uh, Carl was doing his puzzle, he accidentally took one of the puzzle pieces home. So he wants to return it the next day, but he also brings Wally because uh, Wally is, as we've seen before, George's way to create connections with people. Now, it doesn't always work out for the best that way, but George is a shy kid, so he figures that's a good way to break the ice in a sense. So he brings him in his backpack, and he wants to return the missing puzzle piece, but he brings out Wally first. And a little bit as a surprise, he's he's like, I got a surprise for you, Carl. And Carl's not expecting it, and we see immediately that Carl is terrified of Wally. And to be Mm -hmm, fair, mm -hmm. the shots that they use, like, Carl is wide-eyed, his pupils are dilated, and the close-up they have of Wally is just awful. His teeth are so huge. I mean, and you know, they attribute Carl's reaction um, to his, uh, to him being on the autism spectrum. Um, And, you know, I probably wouldn't react the same way, but I would be pretty perturbed if I just met someone and they brought out their wooden dummy uh, of a giraffe and started talking to me. You know, I wouldn't, you know, run to the corner, um, but I would, even I would be like, this is, this person, what are they doing? (laughs) Like... Hey, like, if Will, if you're, you just meet me, and I'm like, Will, I got a surprise for you, <laughs> and I bring yeah. out my <laughs> big one and dummy, it'd be weird, so, uh, this isn't all on Carl, I think that George no. needs to learn not to spring the dummy on people. <laughs> um, yes, and I, I should mention that Carl is there with his mom, his mom's at the table, it's very friendly, and Carl has a very, na- um, a, a, like, a, a, a strong reaction to wally and to which to which as we see on the screen he runs away he finds a wall and he begins muttering uh repeating an even tone just very uh uh and this is where carl's mom looks after him very very patiently she doesn't you know get mad at george or anything and she says that carl has asperger syndrome so as Carl is self-soothing, she is she is there to support him, and George is very rattled by this. Which if this is if that was if this is your first um, experience seeing something like this, and George is like eight years old, it probably would be, and he feels responsible. He feels like he did something wrong, so he runs away. We get a part here where George is recounting this to Brain in Brain's mom's ice cream shop, and uh, he's talk. He mentions the word Asperger syndrome and brain says like Asperger syndrome. Oh, my uncle has that. And he talks about his uncle, professor Keith powers, who he has a clipping of from a newspaper, uh, a very, a very, a wildly intelligent man. And who he says also has Asperger syndrome, which, uh, brain says, you know, he's very, he's incredibly intelligent, but he is not able to be around people as easily as you or me or something to that effect. And he talks about, the description of from his uncle of what it's like to live with autism spectrum disorder. This is probably the most well-known part of this episode. There's actually, I looked it up here, there's a BuzzFeed article from 2015 that is all about like how the how Arthur described autism in a positive way. The the article is called A Reminder That Arthur Once Beautifully Described Asperger's Syndrome. Mm, mm. And you know what? Um I, I, I mentioned earlier. 
um, that any kind of doubt or misgivings I had about this episode kind of faded away once we got to the word of, uh, word from us kids segment. Uh, but I will say that this segment as well, um, you know, all that hemming and hawing and, and motor mouth I was doing earlier about wondering if this episode was in good faith, that mostly was subsided by this segment right here, where we see, um, like you said, and like BuzzFeed said, um, a pretty apt and, um, I would say, uh, empathy, empathetic uh, portrayal of what it's like to be, uh, or to have this specific um, autism diagnosis um, and I, I think it's it's a very engaging and effective analogy, um, you know, with George landing on the alien planet, everybody being louder, um, things that were funny to George not being funny to everybody else, mm-hmm. um, not understanding the alien social cues. Um, it seemed to be a very kind of respectful and effective analogy, both for kids and, you know, I, I think the reason there's a BuzzFeed article about it and the, the reason we're still talking about it to this day, I think it's effective for adults as well. Yes, um, so I think, I feel this would be the part of the episode that could potentially have the the, the widest reaction. When I was speaking, I, when I was speaking with Bob a couple of years ago, this was the part where he um, told me, related to me stories of talking to his friends on the autism spectrum, and this was the part that they weren't so crazy about just because oh interesting well and i think it's because it's talking about more of like a singular person's experience with autism when autism mm. means a lot to different people mm. um so i think that there are well, af- uh, uh, yeah that's really that well that's just really interesting right because you know those are kind of my worries it, it's i think the lesson to take away from all of this uh is that just because this episode is about one kid uh, with autism uh, doesn't necessarily mean that every single person, you know, I was looking at that Wikipedia article and there's like 30 million people in the world uh, with this specific uh, autism diagnosis. Yeah. And so it's like, um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't describe any group of uh, 30 million people to be homogeneous or whatever. Like, yes, no 30 million people are alike. Right. And so just like um, every person of any sort of group, uh, no two people are alike. We're all magical snowflakes. And so, um, yeah, there's a danger in here, and this is why I made that train comment, there's a danger in here in being like, oh, you know, this is what autism was like, or this isn't what it's like for that one kid in that Arthur episode, so this must be what it's like for everybody. And you must all like trains, like that kid in that, that, mm-hmm. that Arthur episode. And that's just simply not the case, right? So that is an important... Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up, your conversation with Bob, because that is an important takeaway is that the danger in something like this is that uh, you try to make it apply to everybody, which is just kind of reductive and, and, and not true. And, um, and it also has to be taken into account that, you know, as of this year, this episode's 12 years old. So there's... Exactly. there's... And, and, and the book, yeah. Like, and when I was looking up research today... Um, the, this book is not yet finished or closed rather like the, yeah. the, the research about this terminology, um, and, and this whole area, uh, is a, a very kind of new thing in terms of the science. Um, yes. and so, and continue, it's, it's, continually yeah. evolving and culturally mm-hmm. evolving as well as mm-hmm, it, as mm-hmm. it becomes, thankfully, more acceptable to be able to be open about the fact that you have an mm. autism diagnosis. Now, of course, I say that knowing that there is still stigma around 
myriad diagnoses out there, and I'm sure autism is one of them. But I know a lot of people that I follow online who will, mm-hmm. or that I'm friends with, who are very open about the fact that autism is a part mm-hmm. of their identity. So I, I, I do think that's worth noting of that this is one character's experience. And unfortunately, Arthur being such a huge show, it can feel like they're trying to capture this yeah. varied and different experience in one singular light. And I don't know if that's like, that's obviously not possible. So I, of course, I'm always curious about people's feedback to this. I also would like to know from listeners. So in this sequence, it's all of a daydream sequence uh, of George imagining what's being said. And you, Lucas, you went over a lot of the points already. The quote that we end off with is again, this is brain quoting his uncle, a character who has Asperger's syndrome. You might even learn to fit in, but you'll always be a little bit different. And I don't know how to feel about that. So I would love to hear from our listeners mm. on the autism spectrum how you feel about that. Well, uh, it, it, yeah. It's funny because so this episode actually, in terms of the plot of this episode, we're spending a lot of time because it's a, you know, it's a it's a it's a subject that you want to treat with care. Um, but in regards to the actual plot beats of this episode, it's really simple because after we get this analogy, you know, we sort of wrap up the episode with George, uh, giving Carl the book about trains, uh, giving him the final puzzle piece, uh, and then becoming friends and, and living kind of happily ever after. And, um, I, I do, I do want to say that that's, there's a couple of good parts of that scene where George comes back the next day, he returns the puzzle piece. Carl Carl is fine. He doesn't he he in fact like asks asks like George, have you come back for more glue? And George offer he's like, I've got something for you, Carl. And Carl says, If it's if it's a giraffe, I don't want it. And I thought that was very funny. And he returns the puzzle piece to Carl because there's a there's a brief imagination that George has where because he accidentally took home the puzzle, the the final puzzle piece needed to complete the train that that's might've sent Carl into an episode like of similar to what happened when he brought out Wally, but Carl seems fine. And he even says that they, he and his mother made a replacement piece uh, so that the puzzle will be complete, but he happily takes uh, the piece that George brought back. And we end the episode in a similar way that we began. They're still hanging out. And I believe this is like George's room. Um, he took the puzzle piece that Carl made himself as a memento. And the episode itself ends with Carl looking at and and George is using language where he is he is saying Carl is my friend and I'm very glad that I got to know him. And Carl also looks right at the camera and says nice to nice to see you and then leaves. George says I taught him how to do that, but he taught me to speak quietly, be clear and not to take it personally if he ignores me. Which again very general yeah it, it's 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 really is just scratching the surface i feel on how to um how, for ch- on on for how children to communicate with people on the autism spectrum but i have thoughts on that that i want to save for the end of the episode do you have anything else that you want to say at this at this juncture about the rest well of i'll say um and moving on into the next bit is that so, uh, you know, everything that we've talked about up to this point, I had those kind of, uh, I had my guard up and I, I wasn't so sure about this episode and it's, it's uh, attempt to be a universal portrayal. But then we get this delightful word from us kids sequence. And now, word from us kids. 
you know, instead of a, a made-up character like Carl, um, who, you know, I'm worried about because I'm like, I don't know what's the inspiration for this character, like how real is all this stuff and this portrayal, we get some real-life kids um, talking but- firsthand with about their experiences. We get these, these kids talking about their firsthand experiences, and I thought this was... Um, almost more valuable than anything in that episode, right? Because um, uh, at the end of the day, uh, what's going to be more, um, what's going to be able to speak to the truth of the experience more than these kids talking about it? And I will say that um, it's a testament to this episode. I mean, they could have cherry picked these three people, and it's not like that they're going to, you know, uh, talk about how inaccurate the episode is when they're on camera to be in this Arthur app. But the three kids seem to like it. Um, and seemed to think that it was a, a, a relatively respectful portrayal. Um, so that was kind of point number one. Um, but then point number two is just kind of seeing these kids hang out and, and ride horses. And um, th- this seemed like uh, the show saying, okay, all of this is in good faith. And, and you know, we did our due diligence and, and you know, talk to real people. Uh, that's an assumption. And that might just be me putting... Uh, enough good all the goodwill that Arthur has earned up to this point and trusting in that um, but I think that um, that episode reads kind of really differently if we don't have this segment you know what I mean I think this segment kind of um, is really really needed um, and I think that that the episode would be done a disservice if it just kind of stood alone or if we didn't watch the word from us kids segment um, and so I think usually, okay, this is all to say that usually a word from us kids segment is not appointment viewing for the Arthur episode. It's like a fun little bonus yeah. as opposed to integral to the episode. Uh, this is the rare case where I think the word from us kids segment is integral to the episode. I completely um, agree. A, a, as important, if not more important than the episode itself. This is actually something that I can improve on from the ECL flash forward episode is that in that episode, Bob saw this part, but I did not just because I, whatever copy I was able to find of when Carl met George didn't have it on it, but Bob described it to me. And like Lucas said, this segment involves kids of different ages at the love lane, special needs horseback riding program. And as one of them says, all the kids there are on the autism spectrum. And we see that we see them all, uh, riding horses, and like I said, they're different ages, different heights, and what have you, but they all seem very excited to be there. They just seem like kids having fun. And we follow one of them, a little girl, her name is Linnea, to her uh, elementary school class, and she talks about how they're uh, doing some kind of uh, drawing project. I forget exactly what it is, but one of the things she notes is that sometimes there's a lot of noise in the classroom, so I wear my headphones, and it's these big sensory headphones. I've seen them before. Um, a lot of people, like when they bring their small kids to like concerts or uh, specifically wrestling events, I've seen them at. There's even <laughs> I know that all elite wrestling has. Like special accommodations for kids with autism, including and more these types of noise blocker headphones. And she shows the headphones she wears when things get too loud, as well as the friends that she's made. Like she's she's a little girl who is very much living a lot of the experiences that little kids like we talked to one of her friends. She seems like somebody who's pretty popular and nothing about who she is seems to be holding her back. And. 100% 100% agreed. This I think this is absolutely important to put a human face to autism. It's like we talked about it and now let's apply what we've learned and 
and learn more about these real kids. <laughs> I can't think of too many others off the top of my head that would be at, like, this needs to be seen after yeah. the episode you've watched. I'm glad that we were able to see this in the upload that we had. Okay, that was a lot of big conversation that we had. I'm glad that we had it and we will continue to have it, but we got to get this, we got to keep this train rolling. Right after this, we'll get into the second half of our Arthur episode. This podcast is supported by listeners like you, and here's how. Over on our social networks, you can follow us and find the latest updates and some fun photos. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, and Elwood City Limits on Instagram. You can support us monetarily by going over to patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive audio content like our new PBS Kids show, movie reviews, and sneak previews of upcoming content. Support us as well by going to teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood city limits dash store or search Elwood City Limits on Teespring. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, or a hoodie with the Elwood City Limits logo or an exclusive design by our friend Josh. Elwood City Limits is available online at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits where you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. Is it not on your favorite app? Let us know. And you can always help us by spreading the word, tell your friends, and send Send us a message either on social media or an email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now, let's get back to the show. It almost feels like a little bit of a downgrade. DW swims with the fishes. We're not talking yeah, well, about big, we're not talking about big, heady issues here. We're just uh, uh, going swimming. I mean, dare I sum up DW swims with the fishes in like three sentences? We could save a lot of time on the second half of this episode. Go uh, go ahead, G- give it a try. I'm sure okay, you can. What's Molly? What's what's Molly's little brother's name again? James. James. So DW and James uh, are in a swim meet. Uh, they start to get really competitive, and then the competitiveness spreads to uh, Arthur and Molly, to which Arthur and Molly kind of overdo it with their competitiveness. And then, you know, the real trophy was the friends we made along the way. Uh, and uh, James and DW decide that, you know, being friends is more important than winning the competition. DW goes back to help James uh, at the detriment to her winning. Um, and uh, Arthur and Molly realized that their behavior was quite silly. And that's basically the episode. <laughs> Very much so. But we'll get, we'll get into we'll get into it a little bit more in a yeah, little bit more of a specifics. detailed sense. Yeah. Uh, the the cold open has to do with Arthur asking if what is the wording here? Or not asking. He just says even the nicest people can lose control sometimes. To yeah, which, like and he got, his his example is brain. To which I say cap. You're capping. <laughs> Brain is not that nice. I've seen Brain have like total freak. Remember when he was like trying to figure out how to like, <laughs> like I'm going leave to a get bomb? revenge. He said. Yeah, <laughs> he was like gonna leave like this like a satellite was gonna shoot like a package that was gonna catch on fire at Muffy's doorstep or something or Francine's doorstep. Like I don't know where the Brain got this reputation that he's such a nice guy. He's correcting people all the time. Exactly. In fact, Arthur says you don't get much nicer than Brain. False. Empirically <laughs> false. So what what Ar- what Arthur is referencing is that Brain lost out on the high score of a video game called Quark Lord because Buster accidentally tripped over the plug. And then he literally, he chases Buster with, like, his arms outstretched as if he's going to physically assault him. 
<laughs> it's just like I didn't find this particularly funny. It's a little worrying. <laughs> I, thought it a little, I, I thought it was a little bit funny just because I I, I was aghast at the claim that you don't get much nicer than prey. <laughs> Um, so the, yeah, the matter of the episode is that DW and James are, uh, competing in speed swimming as in, and I say that like lane swimming, they're doing lane swimming at the local pool, which we've seen a few times before, and they're going to take part in a kid's swim meet. So they're very much looking forward to doing that. DW's big thing is that she wants to win the trophy because it's as big as her. She mentions this a couple of times. Yes. Uh, uh, at one point she tells Arthur when he doesn't agree to be her coach, she goes, you want me to lose, probably because you've never won a trophy as big as you. Which, I, I, it's true. Unfortunately, it's true. All the trophies I've ever won are very, very small. So Arthur has to take DW to the pool the next day, and he has, he has this brief imagination of what he thinks it'll be like, because he doesn't know that DW is competing in like a, no, like a normal-sized pool. He thinks it's going to be like a kiddie pool, and the Tibble twins are going to be assaulting him, and that his friends are going to be there to laugh at him. It's a classic... Arthur worry of like everything will go wrong at my expense and they will all laugh at me. <laughs> Very classic Arthur. Um, so he Arthur has to take DW to the pool the next day, and DW sees that James is practicing with his older sister Molly. We've established this before. In fact, in another water-related context, the last time that Arthur and Molly had an episode together, it was that episode where they were using their pool and they had to keep their mm. friendship on the down low. So interesting that they seem to come together where water is concerned. Yeah, uh, catch. Yeah. Um, Arthur is basically harangued into being DW's swim coach because she sees that James has a coach, so now she needs one, and she nominates Arthur, even though he absolutely doesn't want to. Uh, there's a great line here from DW as she's trying to decide what swimsuit to wear. She says, I think the other one was speedier. It has stripes. <laughs> yeah, DW has the same idea of like aerodynamics as like orcs from Warhammer 40k that paint their, their ships red because they think it makes them go faster. And I added the tail fins to lower wind resistance. <laughs> uh, Molly's fashion here, very 90s. What'd you think, what'd you think of her swim yes. getup? Yeah, Molly's, I was just going to say, I'm glad you brought it up. Everybody's wearing their kind of summer alts. Like, Arthur's just got the classic tee with the with the baby blue jeans. Um, but Molly here is dressed like like Fred Durst or something, sans the red hat. Uh, and it, honestly, it looks great. Uh, she looks like she just hopped out of that movie Grind um, with, with Seth Cohen uh, from the OC. Did you ever see that movie, the skateboarding movie? No. Bam Margera's in it? <laughs> no. Uh, Anyway, if you want, if you want, uh, basically like uh, the museum entry of this era of fashion, that that'd be a good place to start. Uh, but yes, loving Molly's fit. I kind of, th I kind of thought you would. It's very colorful, and I think it's kind of coming back. Uh, so Molly, Molly, and Arthur initially don't want to have their younger siblings com compete with each other. As Molly says, competition is the pits. Kids should just do this for fun, which completely agreed. But there's a moment where it, uh, Molly thinks that DW elbowed James on her way uh, as they were both swimming, and Arthur denies it. And this is the seed that starts as Arthur and Molly taking the competition too seriously. And we see this, we see this manifest as basically every time Arthur sees Molly with James, he believes that they're preparing 
in this like incredibly disciplined manner and he needs to catch up in order for DW to be the best. So that means when DW goes to buy a Mary Mukau swim cap, he buys her extra swim gear that she doesn't really need. Yes. So they run into Molly and James at the like sports store, uh, which what a coincidence. Um and, you know, to denote how ominous it is that they're running into Bolly and James at the sports store, when Arthur first sees them, it's a Dutch angle. So, like, or it's not when he first sees them, but it's, like, as they're leaving, we get a straight-up, like, Dutch, like, Scorsese Dutch angle where it's, like, the camera is all the way diagonal right. to be, like, oh, it's so ominous, like, they were buying fins. <laughs> <laughs> and also getting DW up at the crack of dawn to uh, do some practicing. Now, this is where I had to ask... How late is this? How early is this community pool open? There's no way okay. that it's open before the sun is up, which is when Arthur gets her awake. I, I will say this though: this is accurate to the swim kid experience. Everybody I knew, this is why I always was like, once I got to level sweat seven in swim lessons, I was like, I am done with this. Is that like anybody I knew who like swam competitively in high school or junior high had to get up at like five a.m. every day. Because they would, like, swim before mm. they went to school. And it seemed miserable. I was like, screw that. 5 a.m. to go swim? I'm sure it's, like, you know, I'm sure it's good for your body. You're exercising at the crack of dawn and you're, you know, you're all hydrated. and yes, uh, all, all that stuff. But, yeah, I'm with you, Will. Does not sound worth it to moi. I would rather take the sleep. I did swimming lessons from an early age, and it never really required a super early wake up. I never did it competitively, which is the only thing yeah. is that I that's, had an opportunity. That's when they start waking up. Yeah, I had an opportunity to do it competitively after I finished my swimming lessons, and I just decided that no, I am not. I am not the caliber of person to want to do this competitively. So DW and James slowly we 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 get a bit of a montage where they are being trained like crazy by their older siblings, and they're just aren't able to enjoy the competition because of how much Arthur and Molly have been pushing them. In fact, they meet up at kindergarten the next day and they're both very reluctant to wish each other good luck because they've both been training so hard that they feel that they should win. And they're just, and DW's like, good luck to me, I guess. And James is like, yeah, to me too, which this message would have been a little bit more effective if DW didn't push Arthur into being a coach when he didn't want to. Now, of course, Arthur took this too far, so it is ultimately his fault. But it's like, it would be another thing if Arthur started off as this intense. Mm. I felt it was a little, it, it didn't quite hit for me in that way. I feel like they had to have him flip-flop just because there's so little else there. It's such a simple episode that I guess, like, you know, half of the episode has to be taken up with Arthur getting more and more competitive and then um, as opposed to starting from the, from the beginning. Because then it's like, what else is this episode going to be about? Um, yeah, true. But yeah, it all wraps up in a nice, neat bow uh, because James gets stuck uh, and DW goes back to help him. Uh, thus so losing the race, right? So a couple, a couple of things here. We get a quote from Molly that has surely been said in the Maritime Provinces. You're a McDonald, and McDonald's don't lose. True, true. So yes, you're you're, you're a McDonald. His father was a McDonald. His buddy was a McDonald. McDonald and McDonald, McDonald's don't lose. They don't lose everybody. Uh, <laughs> so. You're right. That's the climactic thing is that DW and James, who are like clad in all of these, like James has like flippers, DW has like oh, goggles and stuff. That was, 
That was something else I wrote down. They should have standardized the equipment for this swim meet. Yeah. Like, it seems woefully unfair if one kid gets flippers and one kid doesn't. That's a that's a very good point, especially because, like, we're all just trying to have fun here. Like, this isn't, like, th- there should be no, like, price point that you need to hit for being able to compete here. So you're right. James gets his flipper caught on one of the lanes. NDW helps him, and they both lose because of that. And Buster, Buster's like uh, Jay Baruchel's character in Goon. He's filming the whole thing on his camcorder, but he's not swearing as much. And Emily ends up winning the meet because of DW helping James. And we get Buster's running commentary, and he says, And the winner is Emily, whose last name I don't know. <laughs> and I, I, I felt very seen in that part of just, like, there are some characters who, like, we just kind of don't know their names. And it's nice for the show to be like, we didn't even make up a last name. I don't know. Um... And DW and James both get, they don't get the trophy that's as big as them, but they do get second place trophies. They get two of them they because they tied yeah. for second place. <laughs> Which, good good thing that they had just two on hand, eh? Yeah, really. Uh, just in case of an eventuality, I suppose. And DW and James give them both to their siblings, and DW says, I think, it seems like you want this more than me. And Molly says, I feel like I just won an award for jerk of the year. And Arthur says, no, you didn't win. We tied. So DW and James do another lap because they have fun swimming. And Arthur and Molly go to buy, go to see who would win the competition of getting them the biggest banana split. So, meh. Kind of a, a, a cute way to end that uh, on message. So now... I want to get into, we talked a lot, we talked a lot, yeah. especially during when Car- we have just talked a lot, period. But with Car- when Carl met George, what did you, th- I guess we always look at this as what did you think of it as an episode? It seems, okay, Lucas, when it comes to being entertained, being educated, and as an introduction to this new character, who I did look it up. Carl will be back in certain okay in certain that, respects. That, that was a huge question I had. Yeah. Um, my two big questions while I was watching the episode um, was, you know, what kind of research went into this? You know, how real is all of this? Uh, and that was a question that was somewhat answered by the Word From Us Kids segment, but not all. Um, but then the other question I had was, does Carl ever show up again? Because mm. if he doesn't, that puts the episode in a way worse light, right? You know, I think you've used this terminology before, you know, very special friend or what have you. Um, we're just going to have an episode about this character who's who's very different. Um, and it's like, I think Carl is way more effective as if he's a running character, right? Because then it's not just like, oh, there's someone who's different and we're going to have an episode about them and then they're never going to show up again. Because it kind of otherizes people who uh, are have the same diagnosis as Carl. Yeah. But if he is a continuing character on Arthur, it normalizes it, right? Because then it's not just, oh, he's, you know, he's a character with autism. It's like, oh, Carl is a member of the Arthur cast. And, you know, he's different, but so is Brain is different from Arthur. And Francine is different from Arthur. And, and, and so I think that's a way better use of that character rather than just having him show up once. So I'm pleased to hear that he shows up again. In terms of this episode, okay, so we've spent a lot of time talking about, okay, is this a good portrayal? Like, is this a good taste? Like, that's what the majority of our discussion has been about. So in terms of as in Arthur episode, 
Um, the thing I liked about it was its simplicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that it's such a kind of a heady subject, um, in terms of the plot notes, it's it's relatively simple. Uh, George makes a new friend. He's not sure if he likes him or not. Uh, he does a nice gesture for him, and it all works out in the end. Uh, beat, beat, beat. Um, and y- I think that does do the episode uh, s- some favors, right? Because uh, it's dealing with a really sensitive topic, and however well it deals with that topic, I don't know. I don't even really know if it's for me to say. Uh, but in terms of kind of storytelling, I like that they kind of went back to basics with it. Um, and I don't know, I think the character of Carl comes off well enough, and I, I'm curious to see him again. Um, I will say that it's an indictment of this episode that we say that the Word From Us Kids segment is so necessary, right? Um, yeah. I feel like that it, it, that reflects poorly on the episode, uh, because I wouldn't say that about any other Arthur episode ever. Uh, now, every other episode, Arthur episode isn't about a subject like this, so it might not be a fair criticism. Um, but that's just kind of, if we're going off my gut, that's how I felt. Uh, and do you want to say how you felt, Will? I, I mean, do. You, you already talked about this, yeah. I do. And at the risk of repeating myself, um, I, I actually listened to that podcast again today because my memory's very poor. So I want to make sure that I don't touch on this, the exact same things that I said, but I do want to expand on one point that I had. Um, so, yes, Lucas, to your point... I feel that this episode is trying to be as general as possible, which means that there are so many nuances that it misses, at least from where I stand. At le- and, and again, one more one more time, we're looking for uh, uh, we would love your feedback on this and we encourage you to to send it to us however you can. And if you feel comfortable and we don't e- we don't even have to read it on the air. We'd love to hear it just in general. Um, But. This was this was a point that I made a couple of years ago, and I want to expand on it a little bit. When I was going to school, and I was speaking about this with someone close to me recently. When I was going to school, and this is my own upbringing. Not every not every kid's upbringing was like this, but I had a very limited view of what autism looked like when I was George's age. It was the late '90s into the 2000s, and it was not a priority of my specific situation or my specific education to tell me what that looked like, to introduce me to the concept of kids being even just neurodivergent, but especially on the autism spectrum. So a lot of times when I encountered autism, it was in a way that, it, it like George's reaction when he sees how Carl reacts to Wally, to me it was something to be scared of. It was something that I didn't understand and that I should stay away from. That being people with autism spectrum disorder. they sh- I should stay away from them because I don't understand them. It made me very scared. And it's taking a very long time for me to unlearn that. And a big part of that is the presence of autistic people online. The, and learning over many, over decades of my life that autism means different things to different people because it affects people so differently. I think, I I don't think, I wish, I wish this episode existed when I was a kid. By the time this aired, I was 19 going on 20. Two years ago was the first time I'd ever seen it in full. 
God, I wish they had done this earlier. And it's not, that's not a criticism. I just wish things would have been different because this can be a way in for kids who don't inherently understand what autism is like. Now, it's a way in, but it's not a stopping point. The conversation needs to continue. Of course, we. I feel that we need to continue educating kids on what neurodivergency looks like. I'll use the umbrella term neurodivergency because it's not just autism. It's people with Down syndrome. It's people with all kinds of different ways of life. I don't even want to put it down to it being a disorder. It's people who are different than us. And this is a way to, to, to begin or continue that education. So personally, I have some goodwill for this episode, even though it could never do everything right. Yeah. It, it yeah. like just, and, 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 just, funda- just fundamentally, it could never ever do everything right. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that's not what people expect from it. But, and, and I also assume that there are more salient criticisms to be made, criticisms to be made. And I hope that people make them towards us and key us in on it. But for what it is, I really do appreciate it. I like Carl. I think he's, I think he's a cute little kid. Um, I also was, I was, I was obsessed with Thomas the tank engine as a kid. So I had the trains thing in a way. And I still really like trains. Um, I, I like trains too. I, like, like, who doesn't listen, like trains, listeners, right? Listeners, you at home, Elwood city live. It's faithful. <laughs> I like trains. Say it with me. <laughs> I like trains. It, it struggles by the fact that it is meant to be an episode that is meant to teach you something. So it's not, it lacks a bit of the Arthur, wit it lacks it lacks a little bit of the dryness that we can get from arthur the dryness and the humor that we get sometimes but there is a, a good line here and there and it serves a specific purpose so we're kind of stepping outside of the arthur shoes for this one and we're let it and we're bringing a message forward which is it the greatest arthur episode no is it necessary i think so well and for all yeah. its faults you know it inspired me to learn something, right? Like, yes. I, I was, I was like, you know, this episode might not be enough to teach me how to talk about this correctly, so I'm gonna try and do some light, light research, um, and that's more than I can say about a lot of things. Absolutely. In comparison, <laughs> man, DW swims with the fish has never had a chance. In terms of just us. It's, it's just like, I just I just I just wasn't in the mood, you know, after watching <laughs> I almost wish you know, I almost wish when Carl met George was the whole episode. I wish it was a double. Mm, that I agree. That would have allowed more room for nuance. Maybe yeah. allowed Carl to bounce off of the other characters and have him be introduced to the to the uh Arthur gang at large. It just feels like we had to stop. And I was not ready to stop thinking about that episode because we have to do a little slice of life one with DW swimming. And I'll just say I'll just say quickly, the DW swims with the fishes. It's fine. Like it, there are some good lines in there. It has a decent message. I love seeing Molly. Uh, great use of that. It's it's pretty good. Like I have no ill will towards it. It's just in a really unfortunate spot. And by the end of when Carl met George, I was just like, oh, we have to keep going. So hopefully, I, I'm I, I'm sure that came across in some way. But DW Storms of the Fish is pretty good. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and honestly, I kind of liked that it was so easy and simple because it's I, you know my what? little Good pea point. brain was doing so much <laughs> thinking during that first episode. I was like, oh, I got to think about what I'm going to say. I, 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 I'm thinking so hard. <laughs> this, the, the second episode, I was like, man, this is classic. Like even this seems even more simple than like season one, Arthur. of just like, we got Arthur. We got DW, you know. A classic, just moral of the story is don't be too competitive. It's real simple. Uh, three act structure. Uh, some funny jokes and japes. Uh, a fun Arthur and DW app. I, I was like, this is a totally serviceable Arthur episode. Yeah, you know what? That, that's a very good. That's a very good point. Perhaps we didn't need to keep keep it going. But like I said, I think I would have just preferred when Carl met George be a double episode, which would have been a lot. Agreed. Which which you know what would have been. Uh, uh, would have been very heavy in terms of this is immediately following the Mrs. McGrady episode, so that might have been a little bit much. But there's anyway, we can we can coulda woulda showed all of this. But the point is, is that I'm really glad that we talked about it, and Lucas, I'm even more glad that I was able to talk to you about this because I've been I've been dying to know what you think of this for the past year and a half. Well, I'm glad we had this discussion. I hope you at home all enjoyed it as well. So that's the end of our episode here. Um, we are going to be moving back to our normal schedule uh, starting next week. So throughout the episode, I've been going back to our Google Doc and trying to decide what show, what PBS Kids show that I want to watch for for the kids, a PBS Kids podcast, which will be our Patreon-exclusive release next week. And remember, you can go to patreon.com slash Limits to catch up on the whole thing. I'm going to go with something that I used to watch a lot on PBS when I was a kid. And I bet you that almost nobody remembers this. I'm sure that some of our patrons do because we have some very knowledgeable patrons. But I bet you if you're listening to this and you're either not on the Patreon or you're, let's say, a casual listener. Somebody who, you know, maybe follows Arthur. Maybe you watched it back in the day. Do you remember... Tots TV, because I remember Tots TV, and we're going to talk about Tots TV next week, because it's my pick. Well, I don't know about Tots TV, but I'm excited to learn. Excellent. And then two weeks after that, we will be back with another Arthur episode. This one is, I love this name, A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Tibble, along with the Secret Guardians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, and I believe that episode will have a special guest. Yes, you're absolutely right. We're going to be calling on a new guest for the show. I'm excited to talk with them. And I think even from the titles alone, this seems like something that I would want to introduce to somebody else. So uh, great, to str- great to stretch and be back in the Elwood City Limits digs. And glad we are all going into 2022. Uh, okay, we hope that you're well wherever you are. And we hope that the year has started off well for you. And if not... Elwood City Limits, we will be here as we can to give you a little bit, to make it, as Omid said, to turn a bad day into an awesome one. For Elwood City Limits, my name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. The competition's the pits. We'll see you next time.